Good afternoon, uh, church. Good afternoon, uh, people of God. Good afternoon, friends and family, friends and neighbors. <laughs> oh, we're excited to have you again here uh, to another TRC broadcast. For those of you that may not know, I am your host, Bishop R.D. McLeod, and it is my privilege to be here to be able to break open the bread of life with you today. I'm so excited that you are here. You could have gone anywhere, but you chose to be here tonight. And for that, we are grateful. We are thankful. And I believe that the Lord is going to do something for you tonight. He's going to speak a word. He's going to take the mirror of the gospel and cause you to be able to see exactly where you are in perspective and in, in respect, respects to your walk with him, uh, your assignment. You know, one thing I am really big on is the fact that we all have an assignment. Every one of us, no matter what your individual goals are or endeavors, you have an assignment from God that's evident in Jeremiah, the first chapter. The Bible talks about how God knew us before we were separated from our mother's womb. And he wanted to reveal his son in us. And he called us. For a specific task. And if you don't know exactly what it is, your life is here with Christ and God, according to Colossians. However, we've all been called to the ministry of reconciliation. So without any further ado, let's get right on into the word. Uh, tonight, I want to talk to you from the subject of salt and light. Salt and light. Now, according to the scriptures, we, the believers, have been referred to as the salt of the earth, the light of the world. But what exactly does that mean? Well, mainly and specifically, it means that we are to be influencers. We are to be influencers. You know, the Bible says that the salt has lost its flavor, its savor. Its influence. Wherewith those shall it be salted? It's good for nothing but to be trodden under the feet of men. We look at in our modern day vernacular, we look and see that this is what is happening to the church. The church of Jesus Christ, which was meant to be the light of the world. It is meant to be a, a lighthouse uh, in the world, has suffered so much disrespect because of the position of the believers the position of the believers too many of us as we look around and see the state of our world and see the state of our society too many of us have suffered from a spirit of indifference for many people it doesn't seem to bother them when they look around and they see the condition that is so contrary to the word of God, so contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have this indifference. You know, I'm reminded of a, 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 a quote has been associated with uh, a, a man named uh, Edmund Burke. And also uh, Dr. King has been uh, associated with this statement as well. He said that in order 
all that is necessary for evil to triumph is that for good men to do nothing. Did you get that? In order for evil to triumph, the only thing that's necessary is that good men do nothing. And, you know, to have a spirit of indifference, to have uh, a silent voice, to not be a part of the solution makes us part of the problem. There's no way we should be able to see certain things that go on in our society and it not trouble us. Are you listening? However, in order for us to change the culture of our world, we, in fact, must, the culture must be changed in us. Would you agree? We have to get to the place where we take a stand for what is right. We need to get to a place where people recognize that they can't just come to us and anything just fly. You have to become a person of influence, a person of standard, a person of righteousness. And we, we find that as things go on, time goes on, we tend to live in a gray area a lot more than we really should. So let's talk about that tonight, salt and light as influences. The first thing we have to do in order to be salt, effective salt, we must engage the culture. You know, it's easier said than done, but we must engage the culture. You know, I look, uh, salt is no good while it's still in the salt shaker. Did you understand that? Light is no good when it's under a bushel. The Bible says that God will not put the light under a bushel, but he will set it on a hill. For a city that set on a hill cannot be hidden. We should not be satisfied with hiding out as believers. You know, there are so many things that are going on in our society. And, you know, the church has been solid. The church has said nothing. And we have come to a place that we have lived in a disrespect right now for the church to stand up and to really really confront some of the things that are happening right now we would be met with all kinds of opposition because for so long we've said nothing for so long we've done nothing we've only recycled christians we've taken christians from one church and recycled them in another church you know, we are not reaching the loss like we should be. We are just recycling Christians. And I'm telling you, Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, the healed have no need of a physician. So what he was saying to us is, is that we should spend our time seeking as he did. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. So this is our assignment. Our assignment is to seek and to save that which was lost. Our assignment was to confront injustice and unrighteousness. And our sign was to lift up the word of God. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men and all women unto myself. So we must engage the culture. We are to take Christ to society. You know, we have to take him to society. Uh, 
we cannot become mission oriented to where we are inside the wall oriented and we don't have a heart for those that are outside those that we haven't met or those we haven't reached we are to turn our focus so we can begin to reach the people who are unchurched reach the people who are not religious reach the people who've not heard the true gospel. Now, you know, it's amazing to me. We think everybody has heard the gospel, but all of the stuff that we've heard is not the gospel. All of the things that people have heard is not the gospel. The gospel is the good news, and the gospel is to tell men and women you don't have to be bound. You don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to be broke. You don't have to be uh, hurting. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to have bad marriages. You don't need to be a statistic when it comes down to the fact that you could not uh, stay married. Uh, you can't raise your children the right way. You know, we have put a Band-Aid on cancer, so to speak. We have settled for the path of least resistance. But I want you to hear uh, something. We have to be responsible for taking the word of God to a society that no longer wants to come and hear it. Did you get that? Now let's go to uh, Matthew chapter four and let's look at a couple of scriptures here so we can really, really analyze what God is saying to us tonight. I want you to hear with your spiritual ear. It is very imperative that you understand God has called you and he has equipped you. He has anointed you. He has appointed you. He has qualified you. And God has given you not the spirit of fear, not even the spirit of the world. The Bible says that God, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is with God, that we might know all things freely given to us of God. That is your assignment. And listen, let's not go with the fact that I'm not that type of person. That is for someone else to do. Listen to me, every person who was saved by the blood of Jesus is given the assignment of reconciliation, reconciling the world. We might have different methods of doing it, but it's our same, it's our assignment all the same, reconciling the world. Maybe you are not an extrovert. Maybe you are not one who will go out and just talk to the masses. However, in that one area that you are in, there's someone eating off your tree and you will have opportunity to let them know that Jesus is the reason for what you see. Wouldn't it be nice if that's what we could say when people look at us? Jesus is the reason for what you see. Matthew chapter four, let's look at verse 18. The Bible says, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. The Bible says, and he said unto them, follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, one of the things that I really want to reiterate here is the fact that fishermen understand something and the analogy that he used about being fishermen and fishers of men it carries with the same connotation 
which is, a fisherman understand this. I must go to where the fish are. The fish are not going to jump into my boat. Did you, did you get that? I remember just in days when I was growing up, my dad would always, when he wanted to go fishing, he would always walk around the place, uh, the pond, to a certain place. And he would always stop. And the first words he would say, I believe they're biting over here. Listen, when you use that analogy as in regards to us as fishermen of men, we have to take the gospel to where the fish are biting. We cannot think for any reason the fish are going to seek us out, jump on our hook, jump in the boat, and be fried up. <laughs> are you listening? That's unrealistic expectations. We must analyze it and go to where the fish are biting. Yes, we have church. Yes, we have inside of the building church. Yes, we have fellowship one with another. But what about when you're out here in the world? What about when you're out here where people are feeling the crunch of a, a, a decimated uh, economy? What about when you're out here, when you go to a hospital uh, 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 such as that, and people are there and they're hurting? Do you ever think about, God, speak to me about a room to walk in before I leave here. Maybe I can pray for someone here. Maybe I can be of assistance. Maybe I can be your hands and maybe I can be your eyes. Or are we too intimidated to bring the gospel to an angry world. You follow what I'm saying? People are angry because they don't have answers. The next thing, a fisherman uses bait that will attract the fish. Did you get that? Bait that will attract the fish, not bait that is convenient to the fisherman. Well, I look in my tackle box and I see this bait here. It's easy to get to. I can put this on my uh, uh, line a lot easier. So I'm just going to use that. Guess what? You're not going to catch anything. You have to use what is attractive to the fish. Now, what do I mean by that? The Bible says, and this is what Paul said. He gave us a little insight on how to reach people, how to interact with people. He said, Unto the Jew, I became a Jew. Unto the Greek, I became Greek. I became a heathen to the heathen. And then he said, I became all things to all men that by all means, some might be saved. Now, uh, to put that in a layman's term, he's basically saying, I meet someone and I build a bridge from my heart to their heart before I start preaching Jesus. You follow what I'm saying? Say, for instance, you're a lady and you like, you like, you're a seamstress. You like sewing. Well, if you were in Joann's or uh, Michael's or you was in one of these craft stores or whatever, and someone else was in there on the same aisle with you, you can begin to build a bridge from your heart to another based off of a common interest. Follow what I'm saying. Once you have gained their confidence, then you can begin to preach Jesus. You will have opportunity. The door will open for that. Are you listening? People are going back to school right now. You're not the only one that don't want to be there. 
<laughs> Are you listening? You're not the only one. And there is someone else who doesn't want to be there and they will gladly voice it. Well, you can build your bridge and you can begin to say, you know what? I was having fun because I was operating in my own business over the over the summer. I was doing this over the summer. I was doing that. Build a common ground. And once they begin to connect with you, then you can preach Jesus. I hope this is making sense to someone because the Bible says uh, a wise man wins souls. You can't throw the bait out in the water, snatch it back through. You have to put the bait out there and make it attractive to the people. Paul said it this way. He said, I adorn the gospel, which simply means that I don't come to people with fire and brimstone, but I dress up the gospel and present it at its best so people will begin to want to sample it. See, people on the outside of the church think the church is crazy anyway. Are you listening? They think the church is weak, crazy, broke, ineffective. And there's a lot of people who substantiate that. But that's not the truth. Hollywood has painted a picture of a clergyman that he's about five foot four and weigh about 110, 15 pounds with a great big white collar a soft-spoken gentleman that does not like confrontation and someone who everybody runs over. And, you know, and it gives us an idea that this is just what the church is all about. But that's far from the truth. Jesus was a man's man. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Jesus was a man full of courage. Jesus was a man full of faith. He was a man full of value. And we need to understand that we are giving off the wrong perception. And even when people misrepresent the believers, we sometimes don't give it an opportunity to be corrected through our lives. We make them think that we are all disgruntled. We are all going to church because we have to. We make them think that we all are halfway serving God. That we're one foot in in the world and one foot in the church. Are you listening? But that's far from the truth. So Paul said, adorn the gospel. Dress it up as a, at its best. One thing you need to understand, and this is in regards to success, the success of, of, of us being an influencer. Success is not measured by the size of the boat, but by the size of the catch. See, we somehow try to make the world believe that the power is in the boat, that the attraction is in the shininess and convenience of the boat. We try to make them feel like that. That is the draw. It's in the boat. But it's not in the boat. It's in the catch. Are you listening? See, there are people out here, man, that are ungodly and unholy. That's got a big boat. (laughs) You, You follow what I'm saying? They're not impressed. But it's the size of the catch. Now, these are 
these are factors that all pertain to cultural transformation. We're talking about transforming a culture. We even have to do that in church. We have to transform the culture from what it used to be. Are you listening? You can't stay the same. Things have changed. One thing that we see is that the pandemic did a lot. It did a lot of damage to the church. However, it presented a lot of opportunities for the church. Did you get what I'm saying? See, after two years of people being out of church, a lot of people changed their mind about the church. A lot of people changed their mind about commitment. Many of them don't see the church as necessary anymore. And so, therefore, a lot of the culture of the church was in transition. But see, this is a new day, and it's a new church. A new church evolved out of the ashes. And a lot of people were not ready for that. A new church came up out of, out of obscurity. There is a new church now. And this new church is geared to reach the masses. There's no more, is it? How many of y'all run on Sunday? You, you understand what I'm saying? Now what is happening is our sanctuary has now become our studio. It's no longer. And seeing a lot of people that was in that old mindset, they 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 want to come back to the church <clears throat> thinking the same way they did before they left, trying to reach the same people. You can't do it. That same transformation that happened in the hearts of the people God was already ahead of it. He was evolving the church. So when we reconvened, we would have a church that was adequate in order to reach a greater amount of people. And it didn't matter if you had a church that only had 20 people in it, a church that had 50 in it. Beforehand, there were churches that were judged based off of how many members they had. If you had a thousand people, you were a great church, not necessarily. Are you listening? However, it leveled the playing field. And so now there are, you know, you are preaching the word of God in your facility. There may be people in California listening to you. There may be people in Seattle listening to you, people in Texas people that have gotten used to your voice and the way you minister. And right now you have a greater audience. Are you listening? This is part of the technological advancement that the Bible talks about uh, at, in the end times. And just diverting just a little bit where the Bible talks about the two witnesses that will come right uh, during the tribulation period. And they will, when the church is raptured and these two witnesses will come and begin to preach the word of God, the Bible says that the Antichrist will have them killed and have them left, would not bury them, but leave them in the streets for three days. And the Bible says, and every eye will behold them. Now, Technologically, that was impossible up until now. But we are in the time dispensation, the last hour of the last days, 
where all of these things are coming to fruition. And the Bible says that with all of the things Jesus said would happen in Matthew 24, and he talked about how there will be many will be offended. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be sicknesses and plagues and pestilence, if you will. There will be smallpox and monkeypox. There will be viruses and antiviruses. All of these things would be going on. But this is this is the indication that implies that we are in the last of the last days. He said, when you see all of these things happen simultaneously, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Technologically, we are in a time where all of those things now are being uh, expedited. Those things are being, uh, 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 what I want to say, it's, 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 it's happening faster. These things are being expedited a lot faster, accelerated, if you will, until now they've all converged and come together where they're happening simultaneously. Now, let me continue to move on because there's so much I wanted to say. This is cultural transformation. I want to give you a couple of statistics here to let you know that the place that we're in right now is basically saying to us that this is a time like never before that we as the church should be influencers. We as the church should be counted. We as the church should be able to be, we should rise up and stop being silent, stop being indifferent. Did you know that the number of atheists, people that don't believe in God at all, and the number of agnostics, people who don't believe one way or another, uh, in America has quadrupled in the last 20 years. Quadrupled. Do you see where this society has fallen away from anything that resembles God? Quadrupled in the last 20 years. One in four millennials, ages 18 to 29, has no religious commitment of any kind. None. One in four of millennials. Now, we know we have the baby boomers, we have the millennials, you know, and you have the Generation Z and all of this. How many is it going to be when it gets to that? As it goes down the pipe, it thins out to we're going to have a generation of people that are lawless and no one believes if the time be not short. You follow me? Most of the millennials that are still believing has a background of someone they know that knew God. One in four has no affiliation at all. Here's another one. One percent of all college students go to church on Sunday. One percent. There's 99% of the college students that has no affiliation, don't go to church. Some of them don't go to church anymore. One percent. For one, they are being indoctrinated as they go to church. They are taught evolution. They are taught that there is no such thing as a supreme being. And if it is, everyone has one. 
Are you listening? And so the society is losing its, its, its awareness and its understanding about God, about God the Father, and people no longer see it as being necessary. My question is, does this disturb you? When you see the things that's going on in our society, does it disturb you? Does it disturb the God in you? How big is God in you to be disturbed? You follow what I'm saying? We are affected in order to be effective. That's why we are affected. If you're not affected, you're not effective. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Now, let's read this. Let's go quickly to Acts chapter 17. I want to read this. And we're talking about salt and light. We are called to be influencers. There's many people right now that are on your job. People wouldn't know that you was saved. And you've been there for years. They do know you go to church. But they don't know you're saved. See, going knowing that you go to church does not cause you to have to be committed. It does not require you to have a standard. It does not require you to know God. It doesn't require you to have to pray. It doesn't require you not to listen to some of the jokes they tell. Does unrighteousness move you? Acts 17. Let's look at verse 15. We're talking about Paul. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now watch this. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, while he waited for Paul and Timothy at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Now, he said his spirit was stirred in him. And the Bible says, I mean, I won't go through this, but you can read it later, how he went through the city and he began to talk to the dignitaries in the city. And Paul, as a matter of fact, got uh, a couple of dignitaries and told them, he said, listen, as I was going through your city, I saw some inscriptions that said to the unknown God. He said, you know, and I understand that you don't know this God, but I'm here to tell you he is the creator of heaven and earth. This is whom I'm preaching about. I'm trying to tell you that this unknown God can be known. The Bible says the spirit was stirred in him. He was disturbed. He was agitated by looking at the whole city given to idolatry. Does this bother you when you see all of these things happening? Do you take a stand against injustice? Are you one that people, uh, do people avoid you when they're up to no good? Or do they seek you out when they want to gossip? See, that tells you a lot right there. People don't come to you and gossip because you are their friend or they trust you. They come to you and they gossip because they know you don't have a standard. They don't respect you as such because you don't make them feel uncomfortable. So people can come to you and they can just tell you anything because they know you're not going to stand up for what's right. You're going to remain indifference because you don't want to be in a bother. 
you don't want to have uh be counted you don't want to have anything to do with their unrighteousness you don't want to say that's not right that's not cool jesus said you're either for me or you against me there is no in between indifference makes you against him listen changing our culture starts with us it starts with us we have to change what we believe, how we act, how we respond. And we can't just let anything fly. There used to be a time when people would refuse to do and say certain things. But the church has gotten so silent and so quiet to now people are pushing buttons to see if we're still alive. You're listening. Salt and light are measured by taste and visibility. Salt and light are measured by taste and by visibility. Do people, do you influence your atmosphere? Do you affect your atmosphere as a thermostat? Or are you a thermometer and you only reflect your atmosphere? If it's cold, you're cold. If it's religious, you're religious. If they're talking about doctrine, you talk about doctrine. If they're talking about the club, you're talking about the club. Do you affect your atmosphere or do you reflect your atmosphere? That's the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. Everywhere Jesus went, he affected his atmosphere. If it was cold, he heated it up. Are you listening? Now, secular society is convinced the church is irrelevant, if not dangerous. They feel like the time of the church has passed. No one wants to hear that anymore. No one listens to those old fables anymore. As a matter of fact, the church has become the butt of many jokes. Many times comedians are up and they are say things and they will laugh and make mockery of the church, not realizing that we have a righteous judge, not realizing that God will judge the things that are being said. And we are laughing right along with it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? We have softened our stance to the point that anything can go around us. People don't even really check to see if we have a pulse. They just do whatever they want to do, and we are widely accepted. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The gospel is marginalized. It's just rules and regulations, but no one is really there to enforce it. Christianity is mocked. People will say I'm a Christian. Everybody say I'm a Christian. Everybody say I'm doing the will of God. Are you listening? When you have people, and, 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 and Jesus is totally ignored. And when you have people out here right now who are making a mockery of the church, when you make certain artists who can bake uh, records and call it church girl, and say you can go out here and you, you know, when you get to the party, you're going to leave your body. 
All right, you then you're gonna drop it like a thotty. Come on now, listen, listen, listen. Some of you are listening to that. Some of you are listening to it. Here you are. Say tonight you're at the club, but tomorrow you'll be in church doing the will of God. Dropping it like a thotty. Is that what God called you to do? Do you understand this, the relevance of that? The significance of that? Do you listen to that? Is that on your playlist? When it come on, do you get caught up in the music? See, people come right to the door of the church and make a mockery of it because they know that we have been solid. Let me go ahead and close this. Some of y'all are like, my God, how do you know about that? Don't worry about that. You got to keep your ear to the street to know that people that you are responsible for are getting the uncut truth so they know how to abstain from all appearances of evil. Now, I know that might be your favorite artist. And I know you might be buzzing around saying that you in the group. But let me tell you something. You better be in the group that leaves here when Jesus show up. Listen. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, took a group of leaders through a course. Uh, uh, he took a group of volunteers through extensive training uh, that lasts many, many, many weeks. He was the founder, remember, of Salvation Army. And after those weeks was over, this is what he said to those volunteers. He said, you know what? He said, uh, I apologize for this training taking so long. But if I could take all of you to hell for five minutes, everything I taught you would not be necessary. What was he saying? If you saw for five minutes what we are trying to get people to avoid in their lives, I wouldn't have to tell you what to do you would go and do it automatically. Don't let it take you having to experience hell in order to know what God is telling us to do. And lastly, I'm going to close in, uh, with this. And I want you to really, really understand this. This same uh, William Booth was in a picture. And the picture was depicting him in a boat. And as he was in this boat, the picture showed him reaching out of the boat to a man who was drowning. Now, I want you to look at this in relevance to whether, uh, 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 relevant to the fact of whether you are salt and light or have you become lukewarm. And as he was reaching out of the boat to grab the hand of the man that was drowning, one of his grandsons looked up at the photo. And he turned to another one of his relatives and said, can I ask you something? Is granddad helping that man or shaking hands with him? I'll leave you with this question. Will our culture say that that's what you are doing for them today? Are you reaching out to save them or are you just shaking hands with them? 
you're doing one or the other, or you're doing none of it. I hope that this is thought-provoking, and I hope you take this to heart. You are called to be an influencer. And if the salt has lost its savor, it is dirt good, it's not good for anything. Because if you can't influence with salt, there's no need in putting it in the mix. Or listen, take this message, share this message, subscribe to this channel so you will know when the next video drops. We are always wanting to bring new content to you, and we're going to get more. Uh, we're going to get better about it, and we just want you to be notified whenever some new content comes available. So, like this. Look down at the likes. Like it. We got to get our people to liking what God is saying and stop walking in the spirit of indifference. Get in the chat when the, when the heat is on and chat it up. Let people know in their own lookers that you're engaged. So whatever you do from this point, whatever you do, whenever you do it, and however long you choose to do it, make sure you make a difference. You are an influence, uh, influencer. That's how you know you can keep it real.